On this episode of Fiscal R in Life, the party finds themselves whisked away to a new and magical world. Your inner monologue, perhaps, it feels different. They make new friends. Maximostrom's the name. Getting caught in tornadoes is the game. And perhaps new enemies. I want to roll a sense motive on this unicorn. They must undertake a series of challenges to get back home. What would we be competing in? Mm, sex murder. I win no. every time. <laughs> they might be in over their heads. Y'all are going to have to start picking up your own weight here. Ah, uh, yes, you are quite familiar with lifting heavy things. But can they succeed? Listen to find out. Hey everybody, it's Derek again. Thanks for sticking with us for our first seven episodes. This time around, I wanted to thank some companies that the show wouldn't be possible without. First and foremost is Paizo. The creators of Pathfinder and Adventure Paths not only created a rule system for easy, customizable, and fun gameplay, but also gave anyone who plays Pathfinder an amazing world to run players through. It makes all the world-building processes of GMing much, much easier. Finally, a huge shout-out to the good people over at Sirenscape. Any of the background music you hear in the show is provided by them, and it adds an air of true fantasy that we would never be able to replicate ourselves. So if you play your own games, look into them to make the experience even better. Anyway, enjoy episode 7, Into the Fey Wild. So, Glendon is dead. He's decapitated. It doesn't look good. Y'all take him back. The refugees aren't super happy about it. I should mention right now that Samuel Eames, who plays Truxton Pendleton, is not joining us this week because we here at This Galorian Life, well, we're union, so we give our employees vacation time. Mm-hmm. And he's so just he been working be so goddamn hard on that character and just he dedicating himself to the craft that he deserves a whole break. <laughs> well, two weeks ago, I think he finally used one of his al- alchemist formulae, which he's had this whole time, <laughs> but he keeps forgetting about. Technically speaking, I think he wins most improved for the podcast. Well, really, potions are the weakest part of the alchemist, though. We can all agree. The alchemy is just kind of there for fluff. I'll be stepping in and playing Truxton this week. So as you bring the body back, Truxton goes, Well, gee, guys, I'm so awful sad about this death. I'm going to go hide for a week. Goodbye. And then Truxton goes and hides. He's always been a soft soul. I still hate him. That's not very nice. The refugees start planning funerary services and whatnot. Some of the more religious ones wants to take a day or two to prepare the body and whatnot. But as far as the game goes, you all have essentially two leads. First is there's been a murder in your camp. Second is that journal Gorgook has. A lot of good it'll do you. Nobody in this damn camp can read the thing, but have at it, I suppose. You human types are always prone to emotional outbursts. These are trying times for everybody, and they were soft folk to begin with. I believe one of them most likely snapped. Do you blame them, though? <laughs> yes. Gorgook, if you examine the journal further, I'll let you make a profession soldier check to see if you can get anything else out of it as you go deeper. Good. 25. Damn! So you still can't read it, but your time in the Malthuni army 
gives you a little insight into how some of these codings work. There are certain words and phrases that they won't actually take time to decode because they don't matter. And you stumble across near the back of the journal a page where the phrase hideout has not been properly coded. And next to it, you notice a series of numbers that with your 25, uh, you can tell our coordinates. I look again to the ranger. You're the one who's good with maps, right? I know my way around one. If only the little one was here, he would surely have made a joke regarding your wife and some type of all-you-could-eat delicatessen. But <laughs> but I'm above such things, but not above referencing them. <laughs> Read this map and let's see what we can figure out. So, Is that a survival check? Um, survival or knowledge geography or knowledge local. Whatever's highest or lowest. Ooh. Oh no. I got a 15 plus 8. That's 23. You think the coordinates are probably about a four hour walk from here and you'd be able to get there quick ish. All right. But, but you're pretty confident you know about where, where the journal is pointing. I bet I can get us within a grid coordinate of it. Let's go. Hold on. What time of the day is it right now? I mean, it's about 8 a.m., right? With this morning. Right. Oh, shit. We're already late. That's what I'm saying. Let's get on a move. We be good. As you make your way out, you eventually, after three or four hours, there's a river um, that runs, cuts through the fangwood. In the middle of the river, there's a tiny little sandbar with a house built on the middle uh, and a small wooden bridge that leads to the sandbar. What's the house look like? Yeah, it's a it's a small log, log cabin. Looks like it could fit two people comfortably. I would say... Has it got windows? Uh, two in the front. Mayhaps we do some perception checks to see anybody creeping about within. Clear out a little bit of dust and some cobwebs from the window. All you see inside is a bed, a table in the corner, and a small chest uh, near the front, like right in front of the window looking down. Why do I even pay for a house? You people just leave them abandoned in the woods. Well said. <laughs> they usually get abandoned for a reason. Uh, actually, go ahead and make a... Yeah, that's an 11. I swear I got a plus 8 in this skill. I got a 24. Yeah, I'll just let the, the lady with eyes or whip do it. So, <laughs> <clears throat> the lady with eyes. So underneath the bed, as the sunlight goes through the windows, you spot like a shimmer coming from underneath it. And it's kind of multicolored. It seems like somebody has stored a bunch of gemstones underneath the bed. I make a violent dive for under the bed. Oh, okay. well, we're, not, we're not in the house yet. Calm down. Yeah. I jump through the window. Cyrus, <laughs> no! I'll just wait outside in front of the bridge. Is is there anything else around the house? Like, do they have a smoke room or, or a smoke house or uh, an outhouse or anything like that? Nope. The sandbar you're on has a couple trees on it but there's not really enough room or stable um, area around the edges to build anything else. It's just the cabin. All right. Well, uh, is there a door, like just a good old-fashioned door, or do they got like a wolf skin thing, like Little House on the Prairie? There is a wooden door. Open it up. There's, there's another white. Fuck! 17 whites, in fact. I thought there. he said it could hold too comfortably. Whites don't need to be comfortable. In all seriousness, though, let's uh, let's search the house. I want them gems. Who goes into the house? I'm one of the people going in. I'm going in. 
I'm not sure if you can tell, but I'm not best fit for small spaces. I'll stand guard at the door. After Sirix and Greg walk in, Greg beckons you over and says, I think you should come check this out. I do? Wait a second. It's a goddamn skinwalker. I've been fooled before. (laughs) Without one into the party. That's what I want them to do. Greg is trying to die. I accept this death. Hopefully my son will be better. I'll raise him right. Okay, but if Greg's asked me to come inside, I, I will. The second your foot crosses the threshold of the house, the lights in the room goes black and everything starts feeling spinny. Oh, this asshole again. You feel like you're moving on like a horseback. You're moving somewhere and you have no control over it. Things start feeling somehow different as if, I don't know, the voice inside of your head that constantly tells you what you're doing, your inner monologue perhaps, it's changing. It feels different. Could y'all roll a perception check for me? What? Could y'all roll a perception check for me? Uh, I rolled an 18 plus 8 for 26. 7. <laughs> 21. As your three characters jump through this portal that seems to have a, a shimmering effect on the outside, preventing you from going back in, you look across what can only be described as a world larger than you've ever seen before. The trees are bigger, birds are bigger, the mountains are bigger, the dragons are more frequent, and by golly, standing in front of you are two important things. I guess three, technically. The first one being a stairwell down from the platform that you're currently on into the grass. Second, uh, a tornado of sorts holding up some individual that you've never seen before. And third and finally, a unicorn. The unicorn turns to you three and asks, Who are you? What in the nine hells is going on? Where'd that sexy werewolf guy go? He must have been left behind. I I don't trust this. He's behind all of it. Uh, have you used that whip often, lady? Uh, never on horses. Well, I'm a unicorn, but uh, thanks for the sentiment. Gorgug looks around his surroundings. He's met with two feelings emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> One is confusion, and the second is a profound anger. <laughs> he's done been bamboozled again. He looks at the unicorn. Tell me your name, stranger, and I may tell you mine. The name's Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer? What did you say? Jennifer. Jennifer. Jennifer, I am Gorgug, the half-orc. Nice to meet you. Same. Now tell us, where are we, and perhaps more importantly, why are we here, and Perhaps most importantly of all, how do we get back? To get back, you need to open the portal. I don't know why you're here. It's kind of an existential question. And uh, you're in the first world. It's a great Ah! I'm going to roll my background skill of knowledge history to know what the hell he's talking about. Go for it. You can also roll in knowledge nature if you'd like. 23 on my history check. With a 23, it's just occurred to you that you're on a completely different plane. So when the gods created Galarian, that wasn't their first try. The first try was the first world, where they messed some things up. And this world has things that are a little bigger than most imaginations, and things that are a little more sinister than the average world. Essentially, this world can be defined in one word, extra. The Feywild it is. If there's one thing I am, it's extra. So you all are thinking about this when all of a sudden you look up at this man who's being held up by a cyclone and he says, Can somebody let me down? 
I love the stranger, but to be quite frank, I have no idea how. If someone could give me a lift, I could bite him down. He seems to be hovering about ten feet in the air. Syrix, want to do that thing we practice in gymnastics? <laughs> I don't see how uh, tantric sex applies here, Grogu. <laughs> I'm arguably no. the strongest person here. <laughs> With your boots and my raw strength, perhaps. The unicorn kind of gives you a nod. I'll give you a little help here, all right, with lady? Okay, sounds good. Uh, what do I roll for a jump check? Acrobatics check the bonus from your boots. So an extra plus five on the acrobatics. I got a 20. Well, okay. But uh, using the unicorn, but Jennifer kind of helps you lift up. As you jump up, grab the man and sort of pull him down gracefully and settle him down uh, as your hands rest on his hips as you lower him down. Uh, how hot is this dude? On a one to ten, about a two and a half. Uh, I remove my hands from his hips. He's very thick and not in a good way. Not that you're against that. It's more of the teeth issue. This place is a bit more wild than I'm used to. And what type of wild are you used to, stranger? Eh, uh, the fangled. Uh, uh, how convenient. Indeed. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Foxclaw Scouts, but that's me. Maxi Mostrom's the name, and getting caught in tornadoes is the game. <laughs> hey, Moxie, would you perhaps like to sign my book? Can I show him the book we have? Oh, my. That's strange. That's <laughs> written in the code we use to talk to the, the Chirms and Argos. It doesn't really make any sense, though. It's just a rambling diary of some some ranger uh, named Kellogg, who lived in the woods. Perhaps he was a uh, chance in our row at one point or another and just started writing in the code. But other than some very insignificant details, there's not much in, in the story. Well, I want you to know that your friend is dead. Before he died, he became a white. Well, I never met him, so not much of a friend, but shame to anybody who becomes an undead, I suppose. Even with that temple applied, he was not much of a fighter. <laughs> I'm guessing you three want to get back to your world, and I'm guessing you here, like you were saying earlier, want to gain some favor with the local populace. Yeah, I suppose so. Can I move along now, or can I take you to town? Because I haven't got a frolicking to do, honestly. Uh, hold here, horned ho horse. Unicorn, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. When you say town, do you mean the town in our plane, or whatever this place is? You know, maybe a little bit of both. Because there's a local town that might be needed to help you out, and uh, via that help, you might be able to get back to your town. Gorgug contemplates the side quest he's about to begin. I want to roll a sense motive on this unicorn. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Roll that sense motive. 22. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, you look at the, the unicorn. You don't know much about unicorns. You definitely tell he's a bit of a shit-eating grin, and he seems to be up to no good. But you don't know what he's up to no good about. His name is Jennifer? Okay. What are you, what are you fucking trying to say? Nothing. In the old lore, people always said that unicorns didn't follow gender binaries. You know, I'm a, I'm pretty much a guy, but I just like the name Jennifer. You're a brave soul. How am I fucking brave? I don't know. Instead of speaking, Gorgug is going to look at Greg and with his eyes try to share a moment with this man. <laughs> just utter confusion and hate. Just two old men that just have way too much of this fucking bullshit already. 
busy. Gorgui spent 42 years of his life dealing with human bullshit. He's about to spend God knows how many more. He can't wait. All right, then, enough of it. As, as, as you guys share that look, Maxie gives you a look, too, like, I'm pretty old, too. Six. I look at the unicorn. You follow the frolicking unicorn, bringing you through a couple paths that diverge in different areas. You only wonder what would happen to you if you didn't follow the correct path. But fortunately, you don't have to wonder. Because after about a few, maybe six or seven different like turns here and there, you go from a random portal uh, from the Fangwood all the way to this what seems to be a little town filled with a few little bits of people. There are some gnomes, there are some satyrs, there are some centaurs, there's a dryad and two. They all seem to be frolicking a bit. You see four different buildings, uh, a little general store, you see some sort of temple, what seems to be a bar, and then also what seems to be a nice old stable. Well, here you are. Ask around and uh, I'm going to help you out. We're all good folk here. The queen's touches don't seem to reach very well. Queen? And queen? The queen. Whomst is this queen? Queen Gwendolyn. Not a nice lady, but she keeps trying to ask us to do things. Who is this Queen Gwendolyn? I'll take it from here, Jennifer. Gwendolyn is the queen of the Fae in the Fangwood Forest. I'm actually here to, uh, on a diplomatic mission, to reach her and see if uh, we can discuss a bit of perhaps having like a parlay to maybe end some of the violence going on in Nirmathos right now. Well, uh, I'm going to take my uh, beautiful hooves and uh, hoof it back into the forest. It was good Please meeting leave. you all. Never come back. Desna, that guy was a piece of shit, right? Oh. I don't trust him. There, there are four buildings, but really it seems everybody's just chilling out around fires, talking, eating, drinking. I, I like to make a proposition with y'all. The fact that just ran, random people could get to the first world is probably not a good sign. So perhaps we should uh, try to you know, close that portal y'all came through. Hopefully with us on the other side. Perhaps, but this could also be a refuge for the people we're protecting. We need to not be here. Where do you all go? Never go wrong with a bar. You walk up to the person hanging out flyers at the bar, and he says, Hello, folks, would you like to try a drink? Don't get many of your kind around here, but it's glad to see you. Does this drink come with information? Oh, of course. Our barkeep in there has answers to all questions and can make all drinks. <sighs> Let's get to it, then. At least I'll be drunk. See the barkeep I go with Sean Connery. All right, you four kind of walk into the bar. It's just an average amount of centaurs and satyrs getting drunk on some sort of liquor. The bartender, however, is a, a dryad who is pouring drinks from what seems to be a weird ingrown tree into the bar. And each branch she pulls produces a different type of alcohol. On the, low, on the upper levels of the tree, the dryad sees you for approach and says, Hi, y'all. It's nice to see you. What can I get for y'all today? Gorgug looks at the dryad up and down very closely, lays an elbow on the bar, Flips a gold piece, whatever's in bloom. Uh, a bloom, and uh, from what I've heard, in front I have good hearing. You want some information? 
I want the drink first. We're trying to figure out how to get out of this particular hell and back to the one we're more accustomed to. Uh, I'll make you a deal. We trade in time here. So if you give me five minutes of your life, I'll get you both the drink and I'll give you any information you need. We're going to listen to his party mates and looks to the dried. Tree, have you ever seen an orc before? I have not. An old story back from Galarian about orcs. We had the most putrid assholes in all the realms. And you can kiss me square on mine before you take a minute of my life. I mean, everybody else here pays in time. Why should I let you pay in gold? Perhaps my party mates will share with you their lives, but I've cherished mine far too much to waste anymore. Any of you three want to do that? It's a good deal. What about you? And she points to Sirix. You look like you like to live on the edge. What are you going to do with these five minutes of my life? Probably pay off my student loans. I won't take a drink, but I will give you five minutes of my life if you answer two questions. Oh, honey, five minutes of your life? I'll answer any questions you have. Well, they're not my questions. And I look to Grogoog, and I say, don't fuck this up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. Deal. And she puts out her hand. Hold on a second. First time this thing says timeshare, you back out. <laughs> My god, a timeshare from the fake. Fuck that. But if we have the red stamp, think of the opportunities. <laughs> My god, sh- we'd be sh- wasting money not to buy it. <laughs> I delicately shake the dryad's hand. First question. Truly the only one that matters. How do we leave this place and return to our plane? Oh, simple enough. There are three different little groups of fey people that have keys to that portal. We keep it closed, but the keys both keep it closed and open. So if you got all three keys, you would be able to close the portal and open the gate on the portal. It's currently one way, obviously. Interesting. A group of dryads, a group of centaurs, a group of satyrs, the whole shebang. We'll get a bit more broad with the next. I heard a word used once by an officer. Far too much education with books, not nearly enough with swords. That's why he died. This word was, uh, geo, uh, uh, geopolitics. Tell me, in this realm, what are the ongoing conflicts? Who are the movers and, dare I say, who are the shakers? Queen Gwendolyn, or Gwendolyn, in this area, is trying to stretch out into the Fangwood. For some reason, there's chatter of invasion, and she wants a bit of a taste in that. So the Archfey is looking around for ways to make her strikes, and that's why this portal exists right now in the way it does. I looked at Greg. Imagine, Ranger, a world where the Fae's and the Iron Fang kill each other instead of us. I don't know which one I'd want to kill more. Well, thank you for your time, Tree, and I do believe you owe me a drink as well. Take one on the house. And she pours some sort of drink from her tree and gives it to you. Oh, I'm going to shoot that shit back. I suppose we go to each of these groups that has a key and take it by their diplomacy or by force. It's a little bit out there. We find the owner of these three keys. I have sex with him. He dies. We get the keys. 
I'd say that planet is foolish, but she is uh, humping 1,000 right now. The lovely Dryad also essentially, uh, via some mind fuckery, so it's called, uh, gave you the location to these three camps. They're nearby within a third of a mile of the, quote, main city. It's not really much of a city. I've always been taught you start with the hardest target and you work your way down, so, uh, I would suggest maybe we go after the centaurs first as they're real uh, sons of bitches. Plus, they're uh, bigger targets. Uh, and to be clear, Sir Nigel, this is not simply because you have a strong impetus to kill a horse after your experience earlier today. If one of your sons of bitch centaurs are named Jennifer, I, I'm going to murder it right in the face. But otherwise, diplomacy all the way. Ah, oh, yes, diplomacy. My strongest suit. I side-eye, Grogoog. So, are we agreed? Do we go to the centaurs? I'll fuck a horse. I guess. You all make your way out of the town following one of the many paths that lead out of this sequester of fae-like creatures. As you walk along, you see hoofprints along the ground showing a clear indication that centaurs are up ahead. This is larger than the town, supposedly, but it is less populated. That is to say, it seems to be almost a football field of empty, beautifully trimmed grass that the centaurs are currently riding on, using to practice their archery, and to sort of hold their own festivities. You see the main centaur up ahead, and uh, he seems to be the leader of this said camp. You can tell because he's a little elevated and he seems to be relaxing amongst a lot of other servants. I study him as a move action. Go for it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So we got studying actions? What kind of character are you? What kind of diplomat are you? I suppose you'll see in a second. The leader beckons you over. Well, Connor, you're the one eyeballing the horse. Perhaps you lead the way. I'm more than eyeballing him. They say, how, Centaur? We have, Hello, mate. We have business with you. Bill, you now. I expect you to approach my camp and just to stand there. What a surprise. You see these fine folk behind me? I don't. I only see shitty folk behind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, these people are obviously not of this place. Uh, and they'd like to go back home to the Fangwood, was it? And we hear from a dryad, you have a key to that place. He takes a big old sip of wine, and he puts it down and he says, I do have a key, mate. We can either make a trade for it, or we can challenge you to a game of American rule football. How about uh, one of y'all challenge me to a duel and whoever wins it, gets the key. One-on-one. One-on-one. Any of y'all want to fight? Fargu steps forward, bearing his gray, wrinkled chest. Well, it's a fight you want, Centaur. It's a fight you'll get. Uh, friend, I think I might be more, uh, more adapt to the situation than you. I've been here quite a bit longer. Greg walks up and puts his hand on Grogu's shoulder. I want to see the weird... Scottish man die. Just let him do it. <laughs> uh, but you see, Greg, the thing is, 
as much as you want to see him die, I want to see myself die even more. This but perhaps we let Connery bite the bullet for us. Plus, you really don't want to go out with hooves. I know what you're asking now. You notice that he's some sort of spellcaster. You can tell by the sort of spellcasting item he has on his side. Ah. And a couple of wands. Horseman of magic he is. Which one of y'all are gonna be, huh? <laughs> well, killing wizards is usually fairly straightforward if you're close enough, but with those four legs and all, it might be a bit trickier than usual. He raises the glass in agreement. What are the terms of this dual horse master? We got a bunch of healers here. First one to go down, whether it be by knockout or death, is the one that loses. So uh, if you get knocked down, I'll leave you, and one of our healers heal you up. Well, Greg, seems like you're just the man for the job since I'm the one with actual healing spells. Right. I look over to Greg. Mr. Teller, Ranger of the Wood, take this. May it perhaps aid you ever so slightly in this fight. And I hand you my Ring of Protection plus one. That should help. I pop that bad boy on. And he seems to frolic over to the middle. Why does everything have to frolic? I take my bow off my back and proceed towards him. He pulls out a long sword and a spear, one in each hand, the long sword in the left, the spear in the right, and he points at you with the spear and says, I start on your bow. Really? First shot? You're that worthless to me, mate. Ah, wonderful. Does a 21 hit? Yes. You take your arrow back and you're like, all right, whatever, and you fire a shot, and it goes straight into his shoulder. And he says, ah, fuck, mate. And he initiative. looks at you. Yeah, go and roll for initiative. Uh, while this is happening, Gorgug starts, quote-unquote, shit-talking from the sidelines. And you all feel a little bit more inspired. All right, William. Go for it. He turns to you as you quickly pull out another arrow. Does a 16 hit? Uh, with the plus one from Gorgug, it does. Nine damage. You take the shot and hits him in the side. He growls, and he takes his weapon, and he two-hands it. And he charges to you. Swinging at you, he rolls a 20, striking you, dealing four damage. Ow! It is your turn, Greg. I really don't have any ranger things, rangery things like spells yet. Uh, all right, I guess uh, just another plus one bow attack. Do you take a five foot step back? Of course. Uh, 21 hits, right? What I Absolutely. Unfortunately, I do uh, two damage. However, damage. due to Gorgug and your point blank shot, it becomes a total of four. Oh, I guess I missed it. So that's four. Yeah. Taking four damage, the centaur strikes back, very upset. He grabs a spear from his side and throws it at you. The man throws a spear at you, hitting you for a solid four damage. Thank goodness he only does four damage each round. It is your turn, Greg. And he moves forward. What are you going to do, Greg? Uh, take a five-foot step and pump him full arrows. Two arrows. Go for it. The uh, first attack, uh, that's just a base 11 without end minuses. I'm guessing that doesn't hit. Uh, however, with the so 21, that hits. Nice. How much damage you do? I do seven. You strike him for nine. He looks at you, and he angrily throws up a magical puff of leaves in the air, healing himself and you for four damage. Greg, it is your turn. 
Right. Enough of this. We're going to bust out the magic. We're going to be busting out the magic. I guess it's time for uh, fire arrows. So I'm going to pump two fire arrows into him. Ooh, um, 24. But a 14, I'm guessing that don't hit. The first one does. Go and roll the extra d6 of fire damage. Huzzah, three. So with six, that's nine damage. And then with the point blank and bardic inspiration, a total of 11 drops this man as your arrow flies through flaming and hits him across the side of his face, knocking down one of his arrows. And he falls to the ground and puts up his hand, yielding. He turns and says, that was one hell of a fight, mate. Got my damn horn off. He pulls into, he puts his hand into his pocket and he throws what seems to be a key at you. That's a key if I've ever seen one. Not bad, boy. Not bad at all. You know, you're really good at shit talking. It's uh, kind of inspirational, really. I know, it's really the best part of the fight, aside from killing him. Where do y'all go to next? Odd, uh, odd, gentleman of the bar, he's a dryad. I, I didn't appreciate his candor very much. They say we go pay his kin a visit. It would be fun to burn a tree. Let's go about it, then. And this motherfucker can do some slam poetry. You all take your stride to the Dryad Lair. As you come across, you see a large tree that seems to be caved in full of saplings that almost act as bamboo bushes on the front side. On the outside of these saplings that are larger than normal, you see a taller Dryad who is crying and multiple other dryads sitting around this one, uh, crying with her. I use a move action to study that target. You studied the large dryad successfully. Yay. Oh, well, it's me, says the large dryad. Oi, tree lassie, what is wrong with you? Oh, my pet butt button fled. I cannot find him anywhere. I would do anything to get him back. Would she give away a key, perhaps? Oh, yes. Fuck this key. I just want my fun fun. I look over to Greg. Ranger, I hate to say it, but you may yet again be the man for the job. I hate all of you. Please. Just... He ran, and I just don't know what to do anymore. You ever just lose someone in your life that was so close, and... Describe this beast to me. Tell me of its fluffer butts and its... It's a rabbit. He has white fur. Does he have um, a preferred food or a treat? He does like carrots. He, he definitely does. You know, you really shouldn't feed carrots to bunnies. They're too well, high in sugar. You know bad for them. This bunny likes carrots, and I don't, I don't want to take that from him. <laughs> I looked at the, the weeping tree in front of me, whatever the hell it is. Just to clarify, this place is interesting. Is this thing going to talk when we find it? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, but but is just a simple rabbit. He does not talk. Thank, thank the gods. I just need you to find him for me. He'll follow if you have a carrot. He'll even jump in your lap. Okay. He's adorable. He's adorable and I just miss him. All right, give me a damn carrot and I'll find your damn rabbit. Okay, okay. She reaches into a pouch and she throws you a very large carrot. Oh, shit. <laughs> it takes him a little bit to to chew through it all, but it's about a foot long of a carrot. It's not, okay, when I say large carrot, I mean not a baby carrot. Okay. 
It's not like a 20 <laughs> foot tall carrot. She just throws a javelin of a carrot at you. Seven feet long. It impales you. You're done. Uh, I will use my knowledge soldier to imagine the mind of a rabbit. <laughs> I'll use my knowledge survival to find this fucking rabbit. Hey, hey Gavin. I'll just roll a 25 on survival. I'm assuming that's good enough. You find the trail of a rabbit. You definitely have a good path moving along. Right. We should probably uh, move a little bit stealthy. We don't want it to seems as if something was chasing the rabbit. Oh, something no. large. Maybe we should uh, make haste. Hey, what kind of check would it be to identify the tracks of whatever's chasing the rabbit? Another survivor roll. <laughs> I rolled a 27. With that 27, Greg, you may hate me for this, but you have no idea, and that terrifies you. This right. tracks that are following this little rabbit are so perplexing that it is confusing your human mind. Oh, uh, how slime it is. It's a ghost! I hate this place more and more by the minute. Let's find this bunny or what's left of it and go. You see a, a sort of valley within the woods covered in shrubbery and some large movement below the shrubbery. You'd have to dive in deep to see what's in there. I look to the whore. You're the one with the expertise on bush. Perhaps you should make your way through. That bush is perfectly well trimmed. I have no idea what you're talking about. I dive in and make a perception check. Roll that perception. 14. Is anybody going to eat him? I'll shit talk his dumb ass on the way in. Uh, Greg, I rolled a net 20 for 28 for an 8. How's that? You go down with <laughs> ah, yeah, Rufgar the Barbarian. And you, you help guide him and you two go together. And you turn into this opening of this bush-like overgrowth. And you turn and you see the b- backside of a rabbit being chewed by a large white-furred rabbit with, with like horns like little ram horns, but it's also a massive, eight-foot-tall white rabbit. Oh, my God, it's... Oh, it's got a collar. No. I, I, I reach back, and I'm like, give me the carrot, I swear to God. I hand him the carrot. You play good cop, I'll go bad. You have a carrot. I, I studied the target. That's apparently all I do. Can we perception to see if there's a name collar on the on the... Yeah, roll that perception check. Yeah, with the, only you know, with the 10. With the 10, you see a B slash B. Bon, bon. Stylistic writing. All right. If I die, tell my wife I didn't. Just tell her that it wasn't due to a giant fucking rabbit. I take the carrot in hand, and I step forward, and I'd like to make a handle animal check. You make a handle animal check. Go for it. Do it. Oh, that's not good. That's a five plus seven. That's a twelve. Maybe the carrot. Does the carrot give me at least a plus two oh, bonus? Yeah. It, the carrot gives you a big bonus. Bun Bun turns to you, spits out the bloody carcass of what used to be a smaller rabbit, and turns to you and kind of just like arches back and is like, <laughs> clearly indicating that it wants the carrot. I uh, toss at the carrot and I say, "Come on, Bun Bun, let's go back home." The, the bunny hops up and grabs the carrot, bits of blood from the previous bunny, gets a little bit over you, 
and uh, it starts chewing on the carrot, and it starts following you. You know, it's kind of horrifying, but it's also kind of cute. I kind of like it. A worthy animal, my friend. Before we go, I pick up the corpse of the, the smaller rabbit. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It is definitely a baby bunny, but uh, it's quite large because bunnies in this world are larger. Ah, oh, practical. I like that on the ranger. I uh, head back to the dryad. You go to the dryad. The dryad turns to your company. The bunny hops out, and the dryad says, Oh, my bun bun! <laughs> and the dryad hops along on her four legs and gives it a, a big old hug, and the bunny gives it a big old hug back. The bunny licks the dryad. The dryad gets coated with a little bit of blood. The dryad turns to you four and says, Oh, thank you! And reaches into her uh, her pocket and throws a key at you, Greg. You all are going to have to start picking up your own weight here. Uh, yes, you are quite familiar with lifting heavy things. Let's continue forward. I could have fed you to that. Just saying. <laughs> and feeding beast, another skill, of course. To the shaders it is, then. Do you all make your way to the final camp? We do. I study the target. Okay, you make it along to the Sater camp. They seem to be having the grandest time of them all. There's music playing, there's alcohol going down throats, and there is lovemaking happening in the bushes. You see a five-foot-tall satyr who wears a crown with a key attached to it. Uh, I approach the, the satyr king. And I study the target. He looks at you, Sirix, and says... Hey, baby, what up? I'm uh, looking for a key. Maybe you know where one is. I got it on my chest here. You want this? Uh, I, I touch his chest seductively and I say, I would, I would love <clears throat> for you to give me that key. Baby, I like this a lot, but I gotta say, I'm in a committed relationship. I respect that. So how about you hand me that key and I'll be on my way. I gotta make you a deal. We'll do a competition of sorts. Whoever wins gets the key. Well, That's how we like doing it here in the first world, baby. What would we be competing in? Mm. Sex murder. I you win know? every time. <laughs> you know, I've actually uh, weak on my sex murder skills. And uh, windpiping is kind of in our blood. So let's uh, do something in the middle. How about dancing? Mm. <laughs> I don't care which one of you four will dance against me, but by golly. Or Goose steps forward. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, the half work. Dance along, my friend. Dance along, and I'll assist you in the ways only I know how. He uh, he slides down, shaking his uh, satyr booty. All right, honey. I got bigger hips than you and a bigger gut than you, but I'm about to win this dance off. All right. Hold on, hold on. We'll see. How do we judge this dance-off? Uh, no offense to you and your types, but... The oh, that's simple. See these uh, other satyrs? On yeah. average, they're uh, they're neutral to me. Some of them hate me. Some of them like me. You can join in, too, if you like, with your uh, with your uh, your applause, so to speak. But whichever dance gets the, gets the best applause over a few rounds wins the competition. Sounds good to me. I've got a secret plan. Wonderful. I like your secret plan. I didn't say that part out loud. I just said it under my breath. Very well. 
Wink. I said that. All right. I'll go up and go first. One of his lackeys pulls out a, a pipe flute and starts playing Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. This is sort of a postmodern uh, hip hop dance routine applied to this version, where at every beat he sort of does a sort of hip thrust and/or uh, like sort of flip. Damn. And he goes around, and uh, he does kind of well. He does not bad for for uh, a dance move societal. Maybe he shouldn't have put those combos together. He uh, he does a hair flip with his lack of even though he's bald, and he looks at you, Cyrix, and says beat that. Can I make a will save to see if I clap even though I don't want to? <laughs> it wasn't that good, don't worry. Okay. Strategically move some of my scarves to uh, show off my body to its best ability. Alright, I tell the satyr with the pan flute to play me some Tchaikovsky and uh, <laughs> perform a very smooth and elegant dance, very, very much like ballet, um, but with far more acrobatics to it. And we roll this check. And uh, I rolled a 15 for the dance. All right. This first round goes to the first satyr. Can I clap real hard to change that? Can I cast ghost sound and make it sound like there's eight more people clapping? You know, maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> All right, baby, let me show you how it's done. And uh, he does sort of a hip-hop swing on uh, the Black Swan soundtrack. That's not, it's not too not, it's not too good. Uh, everybody's just kind of like, eh, that's, uh, that's nice, boss. Yeah, that's nice. And he walks away fluently and says... I guess round two is about to go to me again. Sam? Um, what does Cyrix do? I tell the satyr with the flute to play something jazzy. And... Satyr's uh, like, that's more my type. And perform a slightly different dance that's a little bit more on the erotic side. Uh, I think a... a uh, striptease, almost. Go for it. Roll that check for me. Roll that dance check. I rolled a 27. Alright, with the 27, the jazz goes on, and you know, you went up there to dance, but, uh, you ended up changing people's minds. Blowing their minds. Right? You go up there, and you're your, your body just takes the music from that flute handle, and you know that this is the music that you were meant to dance to, and you go in, and you you take the jazz moves, and you do your flurries, you do your turns, you do your trips, and uh, you, you stop, and you look at the crowd, and uh, there is no applause, because the crowd is mesmerized. They are shocked, they are awed, and they are forever changed by your performance. As is the other guy. And as you walk away, not with uh, humility, and not with uh, overbearing personality, but with a firm knowledge that you know you just won that round two. I dust off my... The third round, the final round. I guess I need to bring out the big pops, baby. And he turns, and he looks at you three, and he starts doing the Macarena. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> the satyrs joined in, 
The pipe flutist loves it. The crowd goes wild. A, a single solitary tear falls down my cheek. I shoot, I shoot him. <laughs> Just arrow in the chest, mid Macarena. I think this might be, if he's doing the Macarena though, I think this might be our only way out. <laughs> That's some pretty intense shit. I weasel my way up to uh, up to where he's dancing, and I, I join in with the Macarena. Oh damn! Make a make a dance check. Uh, rolled a twenty six. You know, if you would have rolled a a one, I would have let it happen. If you would have rolled a high stat like a seventeen, like you did, plus nine to your twenty six, I would have let it happen because a Macarena is one of each, and you you match him with every movement. You and the rest of the satyrs, to the perplexment of your party, are all doing the Macarena on the exact same beat as everybody else. After like four minutes of what seems like the same motion over and over again, because it's a bad song and a bad dance, you all stop. Sweat drips down your forehead, Cyrix. As the, the head satyr looks to you, or looks up to you, because he's a very short individual, and he puts out his hand to shake. I take his hand and I firmly shake it. You know, baby, if I were a younger one, younger satyr, and not committed to my lovely wife, who I love very much, things might have been different here. But that was a good dance there, honey. And he takes the or the, the key off of his off of his fur-filled hairy chest and hands it to you. What do you do next? I take the key, I blow him a kiss, and give him a wink and say, thanks for the dance. Sounds like a plan. And you all make your way towards the portal, where you're stopped by none other than the unicorn. God fucking damn it. Who's going to be the first to charge? The unicorn turns to you four, to you four and says, Well, I didn't expect you all to get those keys so quickly. How'd you all, uh, get him? Through the arc of the dance. Tracking, pumping, centaurs full of arrows. I don't think I can let you through this portal. Jennifer, allow me to be blunt. There's two ways this ends. You letting us through, or us bringing you with us is at least four provision points for our party. <laughs> uh, the unicorn turns and looks at you, Grogoog, and says, Very well. But I have to let you know Jennifer's been dead for a long time. No, not shit. No, no. Just Jennifer. draw my bow and shoot. I'll draw I'll roll initiative now. Fuck that. I you take your surprise action and you take a shot at this winged creature, but this wind buffet around the creature causes your arrow to fly away and says, You are nothing here. And he screeches as out of the ground pop up three grotesque, ugly beings and two other flying beings. Hey, look, Greg, it's your wife. I swear to God, Cyrix. I could have popped them all full of arrows, but I didn't. I'll let you do your little dance. Now there's a demon. <laughs> Shut up, Cyrix. I looked to the party, draw my blade, light it with arcane energy. Ten provision points it is. <laughs> I need everyone to roll initiative. And that, as a free action, I yell, What did you do to my best friend, Jennifer? Uh, 11. Gorgug with 15. 
uh, eight. I whisper to Greg, remember earlier when you didn't give me the ring back? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. These three beings, the flying ones, fly off to go off to go do something what seems to be nefarious and evil. But these three ugly boys look at you all and say, you're gonna go down to the abyss with us. And with that, it is Greg's turn. Like hell. Oh, let me get some measurements real quick. I think I'm going to sally forth where these trees slash bushes are not in the way. It's going to take all my movement, so unfortunately I can't make a full attack, but I can still make an attack. Take a shot. I'll shoot the one that's uh, closest to me farthest north. I'm guessing a 13 does not hit. It bounces off his lovely little skin as if his skin is naturally armored. Oh, I wonder what that could be. Doesn't take kind, and he charges you in all of his gluttonous, slow glory. And he swings at you, taking a big old swipe. Does a 22 break your AC? Oh, god, yeah, you take 22 damage. What I kid, I kid, you take three damage as the drenched claws across your chest. Once again, stick with the uh centaur, we gain dead, please. Jeffrey May, it is Grogoog's turn. Gorgoog will move right here. Okay. He will start a bardic performance. Go for it. You all feel inspired. Plus one attack, plus one damage. Fair enough. All right, this next man, he is going to one, two, three, four, walk towards. Not be able to attack you because he couldn't charge. And then walk right up to you, Jeff. And he seems ready to beat the shit out of you. But alas, he took a double move. So he was unable to attack. And does that trigger an attack of opportunity? It does not. I apologize. Oh, man. It is now. Moxie, what do you do? I'm going to move right next to Greg. So a caddy corner to one of the strange beasts. And while I move, I I draw my greatsword. And I attack. Power attack. 15 hit. All right, you swing down with the greatsword. And uh, via your expertise... You nail this dude right in the chest. Minimum damage, ten damage. With your minimum ten damage, what kind of a what kind of weapon do you have? It's a great sword, so it's slashing. Wonderful. You take your damage and you slash at this dude. It seems as if the slashing damage is slightly resisted in some sort of way. Does less damage than you're used to, but it still cuts through quite well. Cyrix, it is your turn. Okay, uh, I approach the Grogoog, and then I pull out my whip. I I stare at this guy very angrily, and I try to smack him. Smack that boy! And I rolled an 11. Does that include your bonus because of Grogoog? So you rolled a 12? Awesome, that still does not hit, I am sorry. The next boy does the same thing as the previous boy, and walks up right into the middle of you all and says... You all gonna die today. Hi, boys. Go around looking like they're gonna make some sort of sweeping action to you for Greg. It is your turn. I don't trust those flying boys, but I'm really angry about this stretch lad. I'm going to take a five foot step back, 
and I'm going to give him the business of arrows. Are you going to take a rapid shot? I am. All right. Okay, so yeah, it's just 14. Does a 14 hit? A 14 hits. What was your other roll? Uh, 22. All right, a 22 also hits. You take two arrows. You fire true at this thing's face, but it seems that its thick cheekbones make the damage that you do seem non... Except for the second shot, which does break through his skin a little bit. He looks at you angrily and takes a five-foot step and says, You will pay for that cheek, Mark. Does Uh, a nine hit? A nine does not hit. What about a 22? Why did I get two attacks? There's no fair. A 22 does. He claws at you and does a solid two damage. Jeff, it is your turn. With an attack of arcane fury, I strike at the enemy directly in front of me. Go for it. <laughs> Critical failure. I like it. I like it. Uh, you swing down and you miss pretty terribly. In fact, in response, the dude that is to the southwest of you swings at you twice, hitting you. What's your AC? Higher than that. Well, a 6 and a 12 doesn't break your AC. So he takes a two-claw at you, but because of your military training and your smartly used shield, you do not take any damage. It is now your turn. My friend, also known as Moxie. I take a five-foot step, so I'm flanking with Grogoog. Um, so I will roll to the attack, roll to attack the one that I am flanking. It's a 28 hit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 15 damage. You slash at him for 15 damage. He takes a massive hit. Unhappy for this damage, he turns to you and says, You go pay for that! I bet I am. He swings at you twice, missing on a six and a five. Got a one and a two today. That's not too bad. Better than (laughs) I normally roll. Cyrix, it is your turn. I'm going to slash at the guy, the the boy at the very bottom, the very bottom boy. Roll the hit. Does a 19 hit. A 19 clears his AC with ease. Roll for damage. I roll a 12 damage. I am staring nice. quite angrily. Um, is that actually 13 with Grogoog's thingy-majiggy? Noted. Greg! Oh boy, howdy, this guy sure hates me. I will take a five-foot step back from him, and I'm going to pump him with two more arrows. And I'm going to yell, would you just stay down? First one to 12, and I'm guessing that does not hit. But a 14? Agree. Yes, it does. So your first shot misses, but your second shot hits him square in the chest, but unfortunately bounces off. Yeah, yeah. That's only three plus two. Yeah, it's five, so sadness consumes me. The man steps five foot step towards you, swings at you twice. Mmm, that's not good. Yeah, both Does of a those. 19 and a 23 hit? Yeah, uh, those hit. Doing a total of six damage against Freyo physique, Jeff. You see your friend getting slaughtered, but the man in front of you is being flanked by your friend. I guarantee Greg is faster than that thing you can run up the ass to. I will strike at the beast in front of me. What's the flanking bonus? Plus two. Does a 22 hit? A 22 strikes him well. Roll for damage. That rolls for a nine, and I'm not sure if it matters for these creatures, but my sword does count as a magical weapon for the purposes of overcoming DR. It seems to not matter for the creature, but your stabbing motion with your confidence and your strength goes through quite well. So well, in fact, that this man who has been beat up quite a bit before by different people drops 
and slowly fades away to what you can only assume is back to the abyss that brewed him as this dretch looks at you as anger with his final words. The, his friend that was summoned here with him looks to you and says, You killed my friend! Don't worry, my friend. You'll be with him soon. What shall you see? <laughs> it's awful. Right now it is a uh, it is a solid 16. He rolls a 7 and a 16. His good strike hits you for a solid 5 damage. Cyrix, uh, how do you respond to your friend getting clocked? I think friend is a strong word here, but I do lash out at the guy that tried to hurt Grogook. Go for it. I rolled a 14. A 14 is just enough. 11, well, 12 damage. Nice! With 12 damage, this beast, because of your painful stare and your bonuses from the phrase, you do just enough damage to catch this boo dude off guard, taking your whip and whipping it in such a way that it scratches at his neck, piercing all of his blood vessels, causing his head to almost fall over as you get in a deep cut, causing this stretch to die. I didn't go that round. Oh, no, it is your turn. You're right. I'm going to take a five-foot step up and... Take your swing, if you're gonna. Uh, that's only a 26. You roll a 26, doing a total of... A 16 damage. 16 damage! You take your greatsword, and you swing down in an arcing motion towards, uh, in a sort of way that goes towards the big old cliff he's next to. And you do a sort of hacking and chopping motion, slashing this dread in half. He looks to you and he smiles and says, It won't be the last you see of me, as he dissipates into the abyss. Everybody, I think that's the last we'll see of these guys. Right. I don't know what those flying ones are doing, but they're definitely not our problem right now. Through the portal, go. To the Stargate, boys. Dial is home. You all make your way to the gate. The three keys you all share cause the blue shimmer over the green portal to fade away, thus opening it. I don't know about y'all, but I've got business here. I've got to find Gwendolyn and make a deal. So maybe I'll see you another day. But for now, I'm going to chase after these flying fox. Best of luck, friend. We'll try to make sure there's a place to come home to. I hope there aren't any hobgoblins there. <laughs> Goodbye. You all go through the portal and you spin and you twirl and you jump about. And as you pop out, you're back on the river. You're back where you were. But Edrin is gone. And that consciousness that you felt you lost in the beginning, it's back to normal. You're lying on the floor of the cabin that you were once at. And everything's, everything's as it was. But Cyrix, the locket around your neck, is vibrating ever so slightly. <laughs> but not like that. <laughs> I put it in my pocket for later. Do you touch it? Yes. When your hand makes contact with it, your memories fly back to a moment several days before. You're with uh, dying Father Nolian, pulling a letter out of his pocket and reading it. The letter reads, We think we've found a watchman from Mokshi. And that's the end of our broadcast week. You were, good. you were delightful, Gavin. God, I hope. Over 200 sessions in over two years. Hey guys, just so you know, 
I was one round away from running out of performance. I'm proud of you for keeping track. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Incorporated. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com forward slash community use. For more information about Paizo Incorporated and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. Iron Fang Invasion is copyright 2017. Iron Fang Invasion and the Pathfinder Adventure Bath are trademarks of Paizo.